0: Our scripture reading uh, that you have in your bulletins this morning is about Jesus and 10 lepers. And before we read this together, there are a couple things that uh, I can share that will help this passage make more sense. And the first is that not surprisingly, uh, leprosy back in those days was uh, largely misunderstood because people didn't know what it was. And they feared it and people being people, when you don't know what something is, you not only fear it, but they feared the people who had it. And folks back then believed that the reason why you got leprosy was because you had done something bad and so you were being punished. They also believed, and this time rightly so, that it was contagious, which it is, but not nearly to the extent that that they understood. And so people with leprosy had to live set apart in leper colonies. And not only that, but there was a law that if you had leprosy, you had to keep a certain physical distance uh, from other people. And if somebody got close to you, even if it was because of them, even if they did it by accident, you as the leper, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean. And if you didn't, and this is why in the scripture passages it said they were keeping their distance from Jesus. Because if you didn't, you would be punished. And then third... If by chance, which sometimes uh, would happen if you had leprosy and it happened to clear up on its own, and you wanted to re-enter society, you'd have to get clearance from, of all things, the temple priest. And the temple priest, right, it's a little, little odd, except that they thought you had done something bad. So you get clearance from the temple priest, and the temple priest will give you a certificate that you had to carry with you. And then fourth... Uh, even though most people had it for life, because there was no cure, like many things today, it is completely curable with medicine. As a matter of fact, in 1873, um, we don't hear of leprosy, usually anymore, because from 1873, it's now actually referred to as Hansen's disease. Ah after the scientist who discovered the bacteria that causes it. And then very recently, between 1994 and 2004, over 20 million people in the world were cured of leprosy, leaving only about 2 million cases remaining worldwide. So, what the world had been plagued with for thousands of years, has now in the last 20 years been reduced dramatically. And that makes me think of a couple of things. For one thing, it makes me think, what makes something a miracle? Another thing it makes me think of when we get barraged with with news of how terrible things are these days, are we also living in miraculous times? Third thing it makes me wonder about is can we sometimes be grateful for what we don't have (laughs) and what we never even think about? A lot of questions. So with this little background, let's read our scripture passage together. On the way to Jerusalem... Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. And keeping their distance, they called out to him, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God Except this foreigner. And then he said to the one, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. May God bless our understanding of this word of abundant life. So in a moment, we are going to start out with a little fun. Uh, one of my favorite things in elementary school was the day they showed a movie. and we're gonna start out by watching a very short little video clip and it's a little exercise about how well can you keep your focus and pay attention. And as we're watching this there are gonna be two groups of people. There are people in the white shirts and there are people in dark shirts and the exercise is going to be if you can count how many times the people in the white shirts pass the ball, you have to focus because things move fast. And another thing that's critical, especially when you're you're watching this, is if you know the answer, don't say anything, (laughs) because it's no fun to have that person sitting next to you. So, let's watch the clip. this is an awareness test how many passes does the team need the answer is 13. but did you see the moon the answer walking back 13. Ba It's easy to miss something you are not looking for. What you look for in life changes what you see. So what are you looking for? What are you focusing on in your life? What are you focusing on that might be affecting what you see and what you don't see? So as Many of you know, um, for a number of years, I served as a chaplain for the FBI. And one of the things that happened immediately when when I started this was that I instantly developed a tremendous compassion for the agents, and actually for everyone in law enforcement, because I began to see things differently from that point of view. And what I became sensitive to was the fact that obviously when you're in that field, you are trained to look for bad things. You spend your days and you spend years looking for people who are hiding things, trying to spot the lie, trying to catch people who are trying to get away with things, trying to prevent people who are trying to hurt other people and sometimes succeed and hurt some people very, very badly. And so they investigate that close up. And as a result, there are a lot of traumatic aftermaths. And so because you see that so much, and that's what you're looking for, and you're trained to be on high alert for the bad in life and the danger, the problem is that this way of living, this way of looking at life, becomes such a part of who you are that you can't turn it off in your downtime. You can't turn it off when you're trying to relax when you're with family, with loved ones. And that often leads to a hard way of going through life and relationships. So hard, as it turns out, that in law enforcement, you are seven times more likely to die from a self-inflicted gunshot than you are by getting killed from a bad guy. That is a high price to pay. What you look for in life plays a huge role in cultivating your joy or your cynicism, and creating an internal environment of hope, faith, or eor, seeing the whole despair. So what do you notice? What do you notice as you go through these days? You know, when, when you think about how, what you talk about and what you remember, do you seem to remember and do you seem to talk about the problems, how hard life is? Everything that went wrong, I do sometimes. People say, how are you doing? And I recognize that sometimes I start sharing, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's been kind of tough and so forth, whatever. It doesn't help me. You know, I I hear people say, and we get in these conversations, like, boy, what a day. And sometimes, you know what's weird about us as human beings? Sometimes we even try to outdo each other, don't we? You think your day was bad. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? We're trying to top the bad day. Listen to this. Now, the ironic thing, here's the, it's, it's funny, it's irony. So, what you are going to hear, this is the irony, is that the day before Thanksgiving, this Wednesday, at least some of you are going to be hearing somebody say, Have you seen the people at the grocery store? <laughs> it was a madhouse. They were like sharks, it was mayhem. Happy Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Heaven and hell, turn of the mind. So, do you notice the bad things or the blessings? the hole or the donut, what you lost, or what you have. Do You focus on what you can do or what you can't do. OK, but what if it wasn't a good year? Can you still have a posture of, of blessing, of thanksgiving? I ask myself these things a lot. I wonder, do I need an abundance of blessings in order to be satisfied? And if so, how much? What's that level? How many blessings? How much is enough? I like the saying that that goes, happiness is not getting what you want. It's wanting what you've got. So what's enough? A car? A warm house? Maybe a warm house with a warm garage. If I just had that. But is a one-car garage really enough? Because it doesn't even fit my two cars. Tough. Tough, I tell you. But if I had a three-car garage, I would have everything. I know people with four-car garages. (laughs) But I don't want to be greedy, so I'm going to be happy with a two-car garage. How many blessings are enough? So, I was thinking about things last week, and I was looking something up, and you know that fortunately now, 74% of the people in the world have access to safe drinking water. I heard that, and I thought, 74%, that's great. What do you focus on? It also means that 26% of the people in the world do not have access to fresh water, 26%. So I got in touch with Jack Leslie, who's here. Why? He serves on the global board of water.org. Water.org. Look it up. So I'm talking to him yesterday about this, because it got to me, emotionally. He said 711 million people that they work with don't have access to fresh drinking water. He just got back from a board meeting in Brazil. In low income countries, unsafe water sources account for 6% of their deaths. I was thinking 6 out of a 100 people who die in those countries are dying because of what? They're dying because of water, not talking heart attacks, cancer, accidents, dying because they don't have access to clean water and you know what in having that rise to my consciousness, it made me look at things differently. And it made me feel very, very differently inside. It made me feel uneasy. It brought some tears to my eyes. And so I think about two things. One was, one was The last time I was thankful when I turned on a faucet and I never even thought about the clear water that was coming out. How much is enough? I thought, what kind of blessing does it take to ignite my gratitude? Ten were healed. And they were jumping for joy, but only one returned and did something in addition to that. So number one, thanks. And then number two, what hit me with this uncomfortable feeling inside was, does it stop there? Is gratitude and saying thank you to God a complete response to, wow, aren't I blessed? Lucky me. Thank you, God. Sorry for those other people, but thank you. Lucky me. I felt like there's something incomplete in that. So, now that I know this difference in researching about this water and talking to Jack, stopping with lucky me and thank you just didn't feel complete. So there's the first part, thanks, and there's the second part. The thing that completes the circus, the circuit, is giving. Part one is thanks, but part two is giving. Now, great thing is you can go to water.org and you can make a gift. And so as I'm thinking about all this and everything, it's like I'm feeling compelled to do something. I can't just know this and not do anything. So I went on and made a gift from the church, and I went on and I made a personal gift. And the interesting thing is, is um, this process that... You've gone through yourselves, and when you keep upping the gift <laughs> until you kind of hit the level where you go, I'm feeling the impact of this in a good way. And that is satisfying. I thought about her scripture. You know, when it says that ten were healed, it's interesting. Ten are healed, one came back. So Tenor healed physically, but to the one who came back after he did the extra mile, let's say, efforts and awareness, he said to this one, your faith has made you well. He was already physically better, as were the other nine. There's something inside of him, the thing that made him come back and express and take the effort. That's what made him well. And there's a difference between merely physically going along in life and that feeling of completeness. It's part two that gives us that completeness. And part one. I'll tell you a few other things that stirred me at the same time. It stirred me to look more, and so I I checked some things out, and I checked the fact that half of the world Half the people in the world earn less than $3,900 a year. Half of the people and below. How many blessings? How much is enough? What do I do about that? Thanks. Plus giving. Of course I thought, That's why we're here. That's what we do. You know, we're all jumping up and down for joy, like the 10. We thoroughly appreciate our blessings. We thoroughly appreciate what's been given to us, what we've earned, what we've worked hard for. And then, as people of faith, we go on to the next step to complete the circuit. That's what we do here. We give. We help. We lift people up. People who are in need, people who have gotten out of prison and have been down and they need a job, they need a chance, they need training, they need food, they need community, hang time. People who've messed up, who've tried hard, who still end up homeless and without a job. We express our gratitude from our souls, we give our thanks With our giving. We help people who don't have enough. Enough food. Enough food. Don't have enough food. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that that you you work and and you try your best and everything, and then when it gets to the end of it, you don't have enough money to be able to get enough food? That blows my mind. We give our thanks to help people who need a coat. That blows my mind. Not the latest in fashion, not couture, just a coat. Something to fend off the cold, we get that. We give that. Thanks plus giving. Water, food, warmth. What's enough? Certainly, that doesn't happen here in our country. Um, I'll never forget the time when, a number of years ago, we were on the Indian Reservation, and it was on the the previous one that we go to, Cheyenne River, right? Um, That's that's further away from everything. Um, Laura's leg got got really whacked hard by, um, by a really, really heavy table that came down on it, so we took her to the hospital and we saw somebody, but the person wasn't a doctor, they hadn't had a doctor for a while, and this person said, you need an x-ray. We have an x-ray machine, we just don't have a radiologist to look at it. You need crutches. We don't have any crutches, so we're sorry. The next closest place to go to was two hours and 45 minutes away. We were fortunate enough to have a car. And I thought, what do you do if you don't have the money for a car? To get crutches, to go to a doctor. And then I thought, man, what do you do if you do have a car and then it breaks down and, and, and you don't have the money to get the car fixed? We also help people get their cars fixed so they can keep going. You have helped people, something you don't know, to help other people get their cars fixed, so they can get going. We help people with Medicare. I mean, not Medicare, medical care. We don't help people with Medicare. <laughs> this is what happens with your giving. Thanks and giving. What is enough? So I'm thankful for fresh water, a car that runs, doctors, central heat, antibiotics, the ability to help, the ability to give, the privileged position, and feeling that healing take place inside of me when I do. As Laura mentioned, one of the young kids in church ends up with appendicitis, has to go to the hospital. And their response was thankfulness and gratitude. And I thought, what happened to human beings, to children and adults, for most of our six million years of history when you got appendicitis and you can't do surgery? Simple appendectomy. There's thanks and there's giving. Doing what we can. Jackets, meals, encouragement, counseling. How to get out of a life rut. How to interview for a job. Thanksgiving baskets that we're putting together. Can you imagine that the only way that you're going to get a Thanksgiving meal is if somebody gives it to you? What a strange position to be in. Same for Christmas. We're starting our Christmas Giving Tree next week. Lifting others up by giving our thanks. So here's your blessing for today and this week and beyond. May you be blessed to give to the point that you can feel the impact of your gratitude. Because we are those ten lepers in so many ways. May we also be the one who came back. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Amen.